Maiwa Aina is a recent graduate of the University of Washington where she obtained duo degrees in informatics and international studies. We discuss what it was like growing up in Northeast Tacoma, being a student, and purple. Maiwa is a talented writer, podcaster, and aspiring producer. Find previous episodes, playlists, and more at noblueprintpodcast.com. Be sure to follow, like, share, rate, and subscribe on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Peace. I had no idea how expensive college was. <laughs> I had absolutely no idea. <laughs> I was like, if I apply, I can go. What's up, everybody? I go by the name of Domo. And I go by the name of Yoshiko. And each week, we sit down with cultural ambassadors to talk about how they defied societal norms to live their lives with, with no, no blueprint. blueprint. My name is Mayoa Aina. I'm from Tacoma. I am a student at the University of Washington, Seattle campus, and sometimes Tacoma campus. Um, graduating this spring, summer-ish. It's a little <laughs> flexible. Walk in the spring, graduating in summer. Oh, okay. um, I'm a human being who cares about other human beings, and I do things related to that passion. Mm-hmm. Is that helpful? I don't know. It's real broad. No, that's, no, that's, that's good. That's okay, it. you can go. You wanna, I was born in Montana. I was born by the real... No. Uh, how do you define culture? Mm, the first thing that pops into my mind when I think about culture are cultural products. So um, the music, the writing, the workspaces, the built environment and how we interact with those things. Literature, art, the things that we produce by interacting with the people in our spaces. Mm. I like that. No one has given that answer. Yeah, that's before. that's original. That would have been something I would have said. I was thinking about it because I was like, how would I answer that question? Right. I just steal your answer. Where did you, yeah, that's what we're actually what we're doing here, um, <laughs> writing a report. Actually, we actually might be writing a report. We'll get to that later. How did you come to that definition of culture? So as a person who identifies as black, I think a lot about black culture. And a lot of that is sort of characterized by the theft and appropriation of our culture. And that takes the form of things that we produce, even down to like language and the way that we look. Um, And so thinking about black culture and what that means to me, um, it's always sort of about resilience and continuing to produce things even though other people take them all the time. Um, So be specific about the stealing and the appropriation of black culture. Folks are going to hear this podcast and they're going to be like, what's she talking about? Okay. And so, I mean, I I personally know what you're talking about, yes. but be specific. Yes. One thing that's intensely personal to me is my hair mm. and my hairstyles. And for people who, I mean, the natural hair movement is like popping right now, but when I shaved my head, it was not. <laughs> and... I think that was sort of like a journey that I started to like learn about my own natural hair texture and why 
I had always worn it straight and why my mom loved for me to have it straight and I would have relaxers and get it permed. So the natural hair process showed me, it introduced me to a lot of processes that were societal and institutional that forced black women to want to wear their hair in a way that emulated like European beauty standards. Mm-hmm. And it showed me a lot of the ways that black women are treated differently and thought of negatively based on their hairstyles. Mm-hmm. And then when you see those hairstyles on women who are not black and they're on the covers of magazines and they're being praised for starting new trends and it's a style that you were persecuted for, right. it feels very, very, it feels almost violent. It's like, that's not right. fair. And it's like, you stole that. You took that from right. me. Right. And when it was me, it was bad, but now that you on you, it's good. Mm-hmm. And so that was like my first experience, I think, how old, dealing with that. How old were you when, when you became cognizant of this? And this, I cut my hair I transitioned for like two years in high school. I cut my hair and I was a junior in high school. Uh, Like just shaved it completely off? I wasn't bald. I had like two inches. Okay. So it was a a low cut. Yeah. Yeah. It was a low cut. But I mean, it was different. And I had to be real confident in school the next day. And I didn't know what to do with my hair. I didn't know what products to use. I was like, this is going to be a process. And I think I put braids in like very soon after that. Like as soon as it was long enough to attach some hair to it, I attached Mm. some hair to it. And now I attach hair to it as a means of protecting it. But back then it was very much so like, I need some length, something around my neck, something Mm. to like touch. This is, this is too short. Right. And people were like, oh, you look like a boy and your hair was so much cuter before. And it was, it was hard. It was hard. And then people would putting their hands in black women's hair or just black people's hair in general. It's so fluffy. It's so curly. Look at your little puff. It's like, oh, leave me alone. <laughs> leave I, me alone. And it's it, it's it's no. interesting because I can only relate because I grew my hair out in middle school. And people would just violate and put their fingers through your hair and want to touch it. And, oh, can I braid it? Mm-hmm. And it was like... No, get your nasty hands <laughs> out of my stuff. Like, mm-hmm. um, and then just having to explain black hair to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's one that exists. And if there's not, please somebody run with it. <laughs> there has to be. Talk to me mm-hmm. about uh, the cultures that you yeah. identify with and mm-hmm. the cultures that you grew up around. Mm-hmm. And so immediately I think of black culture. My mom is from Alabama and I have pretty brown skin. Mm-hmm. So I'm associated with the black diaspora. Yeah. Uh, but my dad is from Nigeria. Okay. And so and that is a very strong presence in my life. My name is Nigerian through mm-hmm. and through. First mm-hmm. middle and last name. Okay. So I don't I didn't get a an English middle name like my brother's got. So <laughs> it's very apparent that I am Nigerian or some sort of African or some sort of different yeah. different kind of black. So those would be the two most prominent cultures that I identify with, I think. Do your names mean anything? Uh, my first name, Mayowa, means to bring joy and happiness to the world. Mm. And then my middle name, Ajoke, means the one that everyone takes care of. I'm the baby and the only girl in the family. Oh, um, and then my last name is family name. 
Shout out to the babies of the family. Mm-hmm. I do get taken care of. <laughs> that's some um, to bring joy to the world. Right, that's no a, pressure. That's a huge responsibility. <laughs> it's a beautiful name, though. It is a beautiful name. <laughs> and I think my dad was just happy, and he wanted to give me a name that symbolized that. Nice. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a good name. I feel good about it now. <laughs> what do you remember? What do you mean? Oh, wait, going back. What do yeah, you mean? Yeah, yeah, now. now. That was good. That was a, okay. <laughs> what do you mean you feel good about your name now? Because um, my name, if you've like seen it written down, or like when I first introduced myself to people, it's people have are not used to hearing that name. So it's always like, like a record scratch like hold on well what say that again what's your name mm-hmm. how do you say it um and so it was always like especially growing up like very it just made me stand out you know as a kid you just want to fit in like as much as possible and so anytime we had a substitute teacher my name was my last name starts with a so i'm always at the top mm. and if I wasn't, I'd be like the second or third. Mm-hmm. And so the teacher might get to like the first two people and then see my name. And that would be the reminder. And she would be like, okay, if I butcher anybody's name, <laughs> feel free to correct me. Um, and so that's when I knew that it was my turn. <laughs> Did you ever just say here, I didn't call it name. I know, but it's me. This is how you say it. I'm here. <laughs> a couple times. And, but after a while, I had gone through a couple different grades like the same group of people that lived in my neighborhood and mm. um, so after a while people thought it was funny and they would just do it for me so i would never have to like, <laughs> say my name like people would always be like oh that's Maya. she's right there I'm like yeah that's me <laughs> nice 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 Maya, iowa with an m in front of mm-hmm. it Maya, right mm-hmm. um, that's me <laughs> right what do you remember learning about your cultures growing up mm. and what was Was there anything that was in your home that kind of gave you that foundation of culture? Mm -hmm. Um, I think the first, I vividly remember in third grade, I think it was, we had to do these like, we made these like culture boxes or whatever they're supposed to represent like your family. And they wanted you to do like a family tree on both sides and you had to put in artifacts from your culture and like you're supposed to decorate it with the flag from the country that you were from and all that stuff. So I remember like doing a deep dive. I was so excited. Like, this is cool. You know, so I talked to my grandma on my mom's side and she was telling me about how she and her husband were like sharecroppers and wow. how the children had to like pick fruit and so that's what, those sorts of things and how she was a cleaner for like one of the political officials in the area and so she like stayed in their house and it was like really interesting to hear her talk about that on my dad's side like making different kinds of foods i remember we brought in food on the day that we presented and we were supposed to share it with the class and stuff mm-hmm. hearing different like yoruba words and healing he would like tell me stories, like children's stories that he learned growing up and how he went to school and how he lived with like everyone in the village. And it was just really like interesting being that young and having that deep dive into where my family comes from and having mm. to be so different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a huge sense of community on both sides. Yeah, I think so. There's a real desire and my parents I can tell to make sure that the both those cultures are still prominent for us because mm-hmm. my parents live super far from both of their families like all mm-hmm. of my mom's family is in Alabama all okay. of my dad's family is in Nigeria wow. and they oh, left in wow. like I think they they met in Alabama and moved to Seattle 
in like, and they moved to like Tacoma Federal Way area. My dad was um, at Fort Lewis. Okay. In like late eighties, okay. in like, I think my mom has visited Alabama maybe like four or five times since then. Wow. My dad's visited oh. Nigeria like maybe like two or three times since wow. then. And so there's these long periods of time where they don't see their family members, they right. don't engage with them. Do they ever come to Seattle, family? Um, a couple of times. Couple times so sometimes people have been able to come. Um, mm. But it's also just like really, really far. And they're like, you guys live so far away. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's way easier for you to come to us, which like that never made sense to me because it's the same distance. <laughs> right, 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 right. They felt like it was easier for us to come. That's right. Um, and both my parents have really big families. My mom has, I think there's 12 of them total. Mm. And wow. my dad, wow. I think, is one of nine. And so Huge. they have big families and they have, everybody has children. And I think it was hard for them being away because we didn't get to grow up with our cousins and right. be part of that. And so. Is everybody else in Alabama and Nigeria? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So y'all um, were the only. That's, uh, that's kind of similar to um, my family where. We were the only ones who were up in Seattle, but we moved up here because my aunt on my mom's side was stationed in Fort Lewis um, for a little bit of time before going, I guess, everywhere else because she was in the military. But now I have family in Virginia, family in Louisiana, but like we're still, we're like the only ones who are in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just feels so far from. Yeah. It's like a whole different region. Like we're way up here, and right? Like, like people don't even know that Washington exists. Like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Washington yep. D.C. Yeah, like, oh, no, right. <laughs> it's on <the> West Coast. <laughs> California, <laughs> above North. Above, keep going, okay. keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like right up by Canada. Right. You know? <laughs> right. What was that like growing up in Federal Way slash Tacoma? Mm-hmm. From what I can remember, when I was younger, like I remember my class in Federal Way being like super duper diverse. I remember that much. And I remember my best friend, Clarice, this little Asian girl. And then um, my other best friend was this, she was this little black girl. And I had another best friend who was a white girl. So like, we were like a little rainbow coalition (laughs) that that liked to draw like Sailor Moon and like pretend we were characters. And (laughs) I was always the purple one. Shout out to Prince. <laughs> um, and then I remember moving to like the suburbs of Tacoma, Northeast Tacoma, and just like it being super duper white. And that was like a big transition that I don't know that I necessarily like understood in third and fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always just like this really introverted child anyway. Mm-hmm. So like that made me even more so like conscious and like just into my shell. Mm-hmm. But I, I liked my childhood. I thought I had a good time. And I never felt like, I don't remember ever feeling super isolated or super, like I really, really stood out. Like, I think the new kid always stands out like, oh, you're interesting, you're mm. different. Mm-hmm. We all live around here. Where do you come from? Mm. And, but after that, like I went through middle school and high school with like all the same people because we've been there for forever now, it feels like. So yeah, I liked growing Growing up where I grew up, I didn't feel like there was anything wrong with it. Mm. I did grow up in a suburb, so like we weren't around anything really. Mm. So we just like played with the other kids in the neighborhood, and I spent a lot of time indoors actually, because where we live is like 
right on a major road so we couldn't like play like around there and we had a really tiny like backyard so I remember my parents saying that they wish we had a bigger backyard because at our old house we had this huge backyard it was Mm. fun to play in and but yeah I ended up spending a lot of time indoors watching tv having friends over going to friends houses and I was cool I was chilling for the most part where'd you go to middle school I went to middle school at Meeker Middle School. Whoa. Yes. Where? In Tacoma. Northeast Tacoma. That's weird. Only because I went to a school called Meeker Junior High. Oh, really? And it was in Kent. Oh, And so I was like, wait, what? Is Meeker a person? <laughs> I don't I think no so. I don't, we had a big mural of somebody <laughs> I just I just thought it was dope because it was so close mm-hmm. to my last name and I used to tell people the school was named <laughs> after me is it on Meeker Street no mm-hmm. uh, was yours on Meeker Street no I was, was about like, to say I know where Meeker Street is in Kent my no. mom used to work on Meeker Street oh crazy mm-hmm. what did she do she was she was a um, social worker for Child Protective Services so DS, DSHS had an office over there wow Mm-hmm. Small world. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know where that is. So Meeker Middle School. Mm-hmm. Just culturally, what was that mm-hmm. like, and what did you, what did you find yourself getting into? Mm-hmm. Meeker Middle School was interesting. We wore a uniform of like, we had to wear khaki pants or blue pants, and we could only wear blue or white polos. And I remember that was like everybody hated it, and that was the first time we had to do like argumentative papers mm-hmm. and they're like okay you have to make an argument and it has to be like the controversial debate things or whatever and I remember everybody would always want to do uniforms like we don't want to wear uniforms anymore because XYZ thing oh, um, so that was interesting I remember those were like my first school dances at like 2pm you know right after school <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right what? wait did you have that too School dances that at two. 2 I think so. Yeah, it was like right after school. Oh, like yeah. right after school. Yeah. <laughs> no, we had we had ones that were like at least six to eight. In middle school? <laughs> yeah. That's kinda young. I know. <laughs> Listen and they the oh, I, I don't even want to speak about speak about what happened there on this podcast. But. Right, middle school. Right, yes. Mm. And so high school. (laughs) Um, Where'd you go to high school and and what kind of student were you? I went to high school at Stadium High School Mm. in Tacoma. I was always a very studious student. Mm. And so going back to like middle school, that was the first time where we sort of like stratified all the kids Mm. into like, we called them the highly capable classes, and then they were okay. just like the other classes. Okay. And, and the highly capable was on the second floor, and all the regular classes were on the first floor. Oh, man. Yeah, so you, like, kids were, like, literally stratified um, and separated onto different floors. Yeah. But, I mean, I was always, like, the kid that was trying to do the most challenging thing that mm. was available. So... In high school, I did, like, all the AP classes until there were no more AP classes. I was in the band, and I was part of, like, we had, a we had like, a band band council. Mm. I did band, like, government. That was kind of weird. But we just talked about what things we wanted to play. You were a part, <laughs> you were a part of the band council? Yeah. What did you play? I played the clarinet. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I remember students would start with the clarinet and then a, a bunch of them would switch to the saxophone because mm-hmm. they thought it was cooler and then 
and then the the whole thought about like tracking students is mm-hmm. interesting in public schools. Mm-hmm. They started tracking can't students like in, in elementary school mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. and it started with math. Mm-hmm. And what do you so, mean tracking? So it was like you would break out of different math levels. Like mm-hmm. when, by the time we were in fifth grade, mm, fifth or sixth grade. Because Kent's elementary school went from kindergarten to sixth grade. They would take students and say, basically, bottom level math, middle level math, high level math. And they would put you in different classes at this time of the day. Mm -hmm. And so the kids who were in a higher math, they would just let them rock and not have to sit with the kids who weren't in high level math. Mm -hmm. Which, unfortunately, from, from my standpoint, unfortunately, it was... It set kids up because by the time you got to middle school, like you were now in chose between like math seven, pre-algebra, mm-hmm. algebra. And so it was just like you were already being tracked from elementary school. So if you were in the slow math mm-hmm. in elementary school, excuse my term of words, but if you were in the slow math in elementary school, then you were done. Mm-hmm. Like that was all you already tracked through high school mm-hmm. to tell you what math you were going to be in, which you know, also sets up for your understanding of logic and your understanding in science, your understanding in all of these other classes. So yeah. basically, if you weren't at level, yeah. <clears throat> at your grade level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember there was like, I remember there was one event where my parents took me to like, I didn't know this at the time, but I think they took me to get tested so that to see if I could skip a grade. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I remember them being like, sort of bummed because I didn't score high enough or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like I had maybe like just missed the cutoff or something like that. And so they're like, you should have been able to skip a grade, but you can't. And I was like, mm, oh, okay. As long as I'm not right. set back right. to the previous it. grade, I'm okay. <laughs> how, like, how old were you? Um, I must have been really young. I think it was like, like around elementary. But it was interesting because my first, second, and third grade class was a first, second, and third grade class. So all those kids were together all day. Mm. And I had the same teacher for all three years. Okay. In that class, too, you had, like, the purple group and the red group and the yellow group and the orange group. And the purple group was going to go do this, like, higher level reading because right. they were at a higher reading grade or whatever. And mm. your group was going to go do, like, whatever was at your level or something like that. Right. So, like, I don't know if we totally knew that as kids, but we probably did. And just didn't, mm. like, just internalized it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I can't do that one right wait so you had class with so first second and third was all those students were clumped together in one Mm -hmm. class Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. such different levels skill levels yeah Mm -hmm. so in high school we had a couple different career counselors and like college advisor counselors who were like super invested in helping students get to college in in for my family, like me going to college was never a question. Like that was just a given. Like you were going. Like both my parents have um, multiple degrees, so it's like you're also going to college. Like that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so I'm always been a high achiever, quote unquote, or overachiever. So I took advantage of my college and career counselors and. Um, went to all the college tours that they offered and mm. went to all the workshops and I was super invested in applying to college. I think I applied to 22. 22 wow. colleges? Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And my parents were like, why are you doing this? You're only gonna go to one. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, I just wanna give myself the best 
opportunity to She's like, like <laughs> I'm interested in so much I just <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm gonna, <laughs> right, first, first year I'll do this mm-hmm, exactly I'll transfer to that school basically I get into a couple different schools I had got into some schools in California and I was really ex- jazzed about that I was like I'm gonna get out of Washington and go have this like really amazing college experience it's gonna be Sunshine so cool and, um, and I got into USC and I was like super pumped I was yeah. like USC that's so dope and um, I had no idea how expensive college was <laughs> I had absolutely For no me. idea <laughs> I was like if I apply I can go right, right. there's it's, no cost yeah no that's true you don't think about yes, cost right? no yeah. right absolutely tuition what and even Room if and you do think about cost as a student for me I was very privileged I never wanted for anything right so and they and then we're able to make sure of that and so when it came down to like conceptualizing how much sixty thousand dollars a year was like i couldn't i didn't know what that meant i was like is that a lot i don't know like right 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 right. (laughs) and so my parents were like yeah that's a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i was like oh well like student loans right like i'll just have loans cover it and they're like I don't think you want to graduate with like all that debt, two hundred thousand dollars right. <laughs> of debt. Mm. And I was like, I was really upset that I couldn't go to USC because they were not trying to give me no financial aid. And oh. Unfortunately, I wasn't that academically gifted so that yeah. they would give me like a full ride or anything. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I couldn't like, go, um, but I also got into Scripps College, which was the women's college in the Claremont Consortium, mm-hmm. um, and like they were really invested in having me come. They flew me down there for a tour for like wow. their little admissions day, and my parents came, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing, it's California, and it's all women, and it's so cool, and it's part of the consortium, and this is where I want to go, this is it. Yeah. My parents came with me, and they're like, well... You know, fifty thousand dollars a year is pretty expensive too. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "What? This is not how it's supposed to go." You told me that if I was good in school and yeah. I did my best and I tried my hardest, I could go wherever I wanted. Right. And then, like being smacked with that reality that I couldn't because of money mm. was like that was like. I had like a mental breakdown. Like I remember, I was just like in tears, bawling because my parents finally told me I couldn't go. Mm. Um, and it was hard because at that time we had put a deposit down at Scripps to save my spot. And so mm. I'm like, I'm going. Like, that's where I'm going to be going. And they were like trying to work with the financial aid office to make it happen. And it just, we couldn't make, cover the gap. And so, like, I was hella disappointed. Little did I know, my dad also put a deposit down at UW, which I think <laughs> you're not supposed to do, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, well, you can go to UW. And I was like, man, don't nobody want to go to UW. It's right there. Everybody goes to UW. Because mm. I think like 40 or 50 kids from my graduating class also went to UW. Wow. And I was wow. like, man, it's not cool. I wanted to go to California. It's yeah. not fair. So I ended up at the UW. And I was hot on orientation day. I had to be there. No. <laughs> I don't want to be here. But like, you liked purple sucks. and everything. <laughs> right. I tell people that the only reason I went to Dub is because their school colors are purple. <laughs> I had purple in it, and that's my favorite color. And the only other school that I thought was good enough that had purple was, I think, Northwestern in mm. Chicago. Yep. And I was like, that's too far. <laughs> did you apply? I did not apply to Northwestern. <laughs> 
So, okay, as a freshman, mm-hmm. you're new to campus. Mm-hmm. Did you join any clubs or activities? Oh, yes, I joined all the clubs and activities. <laughs> all of them? <laughs> all of them. All, like, 900 or so of them. Um, no, the first thing that I looked for was a black student union because um, I had heard about them through the outreach programs and seen some black students. And um, we had, I was one of the, like, founding members of the African American Club at Stadium High School. I remember I joined the band, the symphonic band initially, um, and there was an organization related to the band called Kappa Kappa Psi that I joined. Um, it's like a band fraternity. Mm. Um, and then what else? I remember I just went to a lot of club meetings just to see like what was out there and what I could do. Mm-hmm. And especially related to like my classes because there's always something related to your department. Right. I was part of a FIG, which was the first year interest group, my fall quarter. And so I spent a lot of time with people in my FIG and I made like two really good friends out of that that we're still we yeah. still keep in contact. What was your what was the concentration for the fig? Mm-hmm. Um so it wasn't a concentration but we were, took all the same classes together. Um, and so Isn't it like cuz I took a fig mm-hmm. and our focus was we all wanted to go into communication. Mhm. And um, I think they tried not to do that anymore cuz they're meant uh, to like explore so they just give you like this block of classes and like everybody has the same class schedule for fall quarter. Yeah. But yeah, I just joined a lot of stuff a lot of things I went to the meeting for the first time and then didn't go again and <laughs> I was just trying to step out right. like okay these are, these are not my people these right. are not my people these are not my people right. <laughs> let me just stick with the BSU <laughs> oh, so, you, so you only stuck with the BSU yeah for the most that was what I got like involved in but I knew about the other clubs and I knew about people I knew people who were in them so like I sort of like stayed abreast of what was happening but I was like, don't ask me to do nothing for the club. (laughs) (laughs) What are you involved with now? You Mm -hmm. said BSU was the only thing that you kept attending. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that it? Or what Mm -hmm. what else are you, what other activities are you involved Mm with? Well, I shouldn't say that BSU was the only thing I kept doing because I kept doing a lot of stuff. I kept doing (laughs) way too much stuff. (laughs) Like I was super involved in like leadership stuff. I worked a lot of different jobs on campus. I was in the band for like three and a half years and like all different kinds of bands. Um, and so I, I stayed busy. And right now I am moving into other different things. And so, you know, this is my fifth year at the UW. I was feeling kind of old. I was like, you know, I'm on my way out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's time for, me to, time for me to move on. I feel a little bit like too big for the UW almost like mm-hmm. um, so there are some things that I was like okay I'm leaving what haven't I done yet that I can do or take advantage of because mm. UW has so many opportunities it's so great to be a student mm-hmm. <laughs> everything is like discounted and free <laughs> <laughs> Discounted right. and free. I'll say it again. Best word. You. Yes, that's my favorite word. Free. Free. So right now, I still consider myself a member of the BSU. I go to their events when I can. I do live in Tacoma now, so being on campus until like mm. eight or nine thirty is 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 a bit of a stretch. <laughs> that commute is so deep. <laughs> Tell me about it, <laughs> especially when the direct bus stops running at five and you have to take a bus downtown and then take the light rail and then take another bus and then catch another bus to get home. Oh, no. Um, but anyway, what am I doing now? I am a writer for The Daily, which is our student newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I am in my 
third quarter, third and a half quarter of hosting a radio show at the student and radio station. What's it called? And my show is called Louder for the People in the Back, and it is on Rainy Dog Radio. You can find it and listen to it on rainydog.org. And what else am I doing? I am working with some, well, actually, this is really cool. I just did it today, mm. and we had our, like, third or fourth meeting. Um, but some um, folks in administration um, have a pretty close tie to students, and so we were telling them, like, what we felt like we needed, and we were able to put together this event, like, these series of events that are about, like, professional development and things that you probably aren't being told in classes, but your need for the professional world mm-hmm. um, about, like, how do you network and how do you move through the world and how do you like make your way up the corporate ladder while still having like a soul you know? mm-hmm. um, so that's been really fun and participating in that I am volunteering with Shelf Life Community Storytelling Booth with a certain someone we all know hey. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been a lot of fun I met so many great and amazing people I'm working on a podcast for The Daily right now I'm writing a column for I'm writing. I'm contributing an article for a column for the Seattle Times Ed Lab. I am a fellow for the International Policy Institute, Cybersecurity International Policy Institute, in the Jackson School. So I write research, research and write articles for them. Mm. And Gates Scholar, Gates Leadership Scholarship Award winner. That's all the stuff that I can think of that's on my calendar. So, wow. and that's that's everything that you're doing <laughs> wow. right now. Yeah, right. But this moment. Right. Do, do any of those interest you? Yeah. All, right, right. all of them. Not really. All them. They all interest me. So, but also, I don't. I definitely don't want to skip over. Can you run down your highlight reel? Because part of the re- <laughs> because part of the reason why we wanted to have you on the show mm-hmm. is because. You have so many accolades <laughs> to your name and so many things that you've been able to do as a student at the <laughs> University of Washington. And we wanted to make sure we had you on your show on our show before you took off and, and got too big for it. <laughs> Get the little people. Right, right. Oh my goodness, my highlight reel. You want like stuff that like I've been awarded for, or just like stuff that I've done. <laughs> Just <laughs> dang, man. Well, the, stuff, resume the stuff that I've been we'll... awarded for is like way less than the stuff give that I've actually done. Give me the things that you've been awarded for about, and the high achievements. Or what are your, what are you proud of? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Things that you've done mm-hmm. that you you're very proud of. Right. Um, okay. Things I've been very proud of. Okay, I gotta think all the way back. When I was in kindergarten. Starting co- college. Starting college. Oh, yeah, I got to think back to like my freshman lie. year. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, okay, so the summer after my freshman year, I was an orientation leader. And that was like, I'm really proud that I completed that summer because it was like the biggest, it was such a leap for me. Like I was talking to groups of 600 students every day. Wow. And, wow. So that, and for me, who's an introvert who like, talks to one person at a time (laughs) and I had to like perform in skits for these kids and make them laugh and like they're you know they're like fresh out of high school so this is a tough crowd right right and I just got into you I had to do that all summer so that was something that I was really proud of Mm. Um, and that was the first like 
paid work I ever had. So hey. like I saw that paycheck and I was like, hey, this is cool. Right. <laughs> I after that I was a writing tutor at the Writing and Research Center and that was cool because I got to learn about so many more things that were happening on campus because we got everyone from everywhere. I'm really proud of my involvement and leadership in the Black Student Union which we've talked about. What else am I proud of? I'm proud of my radio show that was a stretch. I love writing for the daily that was a stretch that made me stronger. I'm really proud that I was selected as the 2015 Homecoming Queen. Hey. I remember I told my mom, and she was like, you were selected Homecoming Queen for the whole UW. <laughs> like, she was mad she skeptical. <laughs> when well, you just oh, did the, the BSU give you that? <laughs> all, of all the students? And she was like, how does that work? And now she's like, because normally, like, you vote on something like that, right? So, yeah. like, it's supposed to be by a student body, but the way UW does it is that it's a scholarship, so you apply. Mm. Um, for homecoming court nice. and I remember I was I didn't get it the year before and I was like let me try again to see maybe I'm like more popping this year and they'll give it to me <laughs> hey <laughs> persistence kids <laughs> so I got it the second time around and I got the queen which was like a bigger scholarship than just being on the court hey. so I was like cool no I shade. felt really good about that and <laughs> I was in the band at the, in the marching band at the time so they like presented us on the field during the football game and I was like in my band uniform with my little crown on. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. Nice. Do you have pictures from that? I do. Okay. Nice. I do. My yeah. director was very excited. Yes. <laughs> um, I loved being in the marching band. That was a stretch. <laughs> my high school did not have a marching band. I had only done sit down bands. The most we marched was in a parade, and that was like stay in a straight line. Right. <laughs> right. And so learning, like that was a whole new language and domain that I had to learn and it's like a sport like we were there all the time mm. as much as the football team was there we were there mm. so that did was you, a stretch did you travel with the team it depended on like how far they were going but sometimes we would send like a little pet band to go which was like okay. part of the part of the um marching band okay. and then play That's in the scary. scan and stuff so mm. I got to travel a little bit nice. I know that you mm. were a part of the husky 100 I was part of the Husky 100, the inaugural class. That mm. was fun. They there's like a nomination form, mm -hmm. and it sends you an email every like when you're nominated by someone to mm. like apply for the thing. And so I remember I kept getting it from like <laughs> different people. I was like, what is this thing? And, and tell folks tell folks what that is. Yeah, so the Husky 100 um, is a program that was started to recognize like student involvement at the UW. And so what they do is I think it's. I think it's the Office of Student Life, but don't quote me on that. Um, they have students from all three campuses. You, either you're nominated or you can nominate yourself and you apply and you um, basically just say like about what you've been involved in on campus and then they go through and they select 100 students that have like really exemplify like UW values and um, involvement and they want to have like a wide range of students who are involved in things that they do. Um, so I was selected as one of the first 100 students to be recognized, mm. and, and that nice. was cool. Nice. Mm -hmm. So tell me about traveling in the places that you've gone, not mm -hmm. just as a student, but just tell me about traveling and how it impacted your understanding of culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, traveling. Traveling is probably the biggest reason why I wanted to be an interna international studies major. I thought that that would l allow me to travel places 
that's not how international studies works. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the first place I ever traveled in terms of like leaving the country was to Nigeria when I was in third grade. Mm. And that was to visit my dad's family for the first time. And so that was interesting. I vividly remember getting off the plane and it just being like this wave of heat that I never experienced before ever in my <laughs> life. And I was like, oh God, it's so hot, I can't breathe. <laughs> and I remember like there was, the roads are really like dusty and the, mm-hmm. the dust is red. And I remember I was wearing flip flops and my feet got all dusty and red. <laughs> and, and it was like kind of misty, like misty rain. Now you kind of get around here that's like rain, but it's not really rain. Yeah. You feel wet. Like, yeah. right. <laughs> I remember it was that. And it, so it was like that kind of weather, but it was hot. And I was like, this sucks. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Yeah. You grew up here? What? <laughs> but it was cool and it was really different like I feel like a good way to engage with a new culture is to like see how people drive because mm. that's totally different oh, like yeah. here driving True. is so like controlled and everybody knows the way like everybody's trained the same way to drive yeah. and everything everybody knows what everything means yeah. and when we were in Nigeria it was like everybody for everything like you could do whatever you wanted <laughs> on the road <laughs> and it was it was scary like it was, it was scary <laughs> and i remember seeing for the first time like armed people on the uh, road and there was like i think at the time there was like i remember you'd like have to bribe the people to like, I was get gonna by say, you got was your taxes yeah you got yeah. to bribe people to get by so that was interesting and that was the first time that i was like oh this is different people live like real different in other mm. places and i remember like we had we slept under the mosquito nets mm. and like Everybody had a generator because electricity was never consistent. Mm. And I remember they had a video game console at my cousin's house, and I just wanted to play the video game. Yeah. They're like, "No, we can't use the generator right now, so we don't, we can't play it." Uh. And I was like, really confused by that. Like, why can't we just turn it on? Like, yeah. what's up? <laughs> and so it took me a long time to figure out. Like, okay, I need to find something else to do. <laughs> Right, right. It's like, so you know, you, I can't play Mario. I was just confused. Right. I just want to play the game. Yeah, that was the first place I traveled outside the U.S. After that, and there was a program in my middle school, and that was an exchange program to New Zealand. And the school was at the 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 city in New Zealand was at the same point of longitude and latitude, but opposite from where we were. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I don't remember why they decided to do that, but that's what it was. And so they had this exchange program for a long time. And so I went there and I had like a host family and I had a host sister and a host mom and dad wow. and brothers and there was sheep everywhere and it was super green. And I remember that was the first time we did a lot of stuff that I was not used to, like yeah. hiking and like going out on boats and stuff and <laughs> I was I was real outside of my comfort zone <laughs> just in like terms of the activities that we were doing like that was yeah. like I was like, like okay wow this is different and yeah. and the people that I stayed with like kind of lived on a farm like they had animals yeah. and I remember I went we went deep sea fishing and like wow. I caught my dinner that night and my host what? dad like fried the fish it was like really interesting how long were you there for i was there for the month of february wow 
Was it just you or a bunch of kids? And there were like, there was like around 20 of us that went, and but we all had our own host families. Oh, wow. Close together or, or like were like, your host families like in the same, in the same areas or? All of the kids from the host families went to the same school. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, we weren't like necessarily in the same neighborhood, but yeah. like they were like in the same general interesting. area. And so, yeah, that was interesting. And after that, my band program in high school, or there was like a program in high school called the Washington Ambassadors of Music. Mm-hmm. And they just took like high schoolers from all over the state and they did like a tour through Europe. Wow. And, and I think I think every state has one. Um, but you basically just, we did two weeks in Europe. We went through like seven different countries. Wow. And just did like a music in the parks type thing. Yeah. And, and it was like a regular thing. Like people in those areas knew about it. Like mm-hmm. it was like a tradition or something. So you always come and like hear these American kids play this music. <laughs> I played um, Stars and Stripes Forever so many times. I never Each park, you're playing the same song. Since <laughs> we practiced for a whole summer. <laughs> that one and, song. We're gonna be really good with this one. Oh god, I played that song so many times. But then also in my high school, we had a final band concert every year, and the last song is always "Stars and Stripes Forever," <laughs> and this like giant American flag drops down at the bridge, and all of the band kids come out and fill the aisles, and like all the it's just, like this huge dramatic thing. Yeah. But I played "Stars and Stripes Forever" so many times, <laughs> like I never want to play that song again. <laughs> In case you didn't know you was a man, <laughs> like Lord. Um, and adding then that to your playlist. <laughs> definitely adding that to your playlist. <laughs> Don't torture me like that. <laughs> get the, get the been, live, get the live <laughs> version, please. Let's find the version you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah get the live version. Old footage of you. <laughs> right, doing this. right, that has to exist. Stadium High School, <laughs> class of. <laughs> this has been fun so far, guys. Don't do this. <laughs> um, and then the last place that I travel to was um, I did a study abroad program at the UW to Peru. Wow. And I spent yeah. six weeks in, I spent five weeks in Lima and then another week in Cusco. What year was this? This was 2015. Okay. Mm-hmm, summer nice. of 2015. Nice. And that was, that was cool because like, I was like sort of an adult. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I was still like, not paying for it, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I got to like, Go. We we went with like as a class and we all stayed together. But like you basically had independence to do whatever you want. So like I met nice. a bunch of people and went out and like tried different foods and traveled. I traveled to um, the program was five weeks. So the week that I spent in Cusco was I traveled by myself, wow. and, and that was like hella scary. Like <laughs> ooh, that was scary. Do you speak Spanish? I speak a little bit of Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I learned then. I learned, I learned how to speak Spanish. Right. <laughs> and so I had, like, I traveled there by myself, but I met some other kids, some other girls who were also on the program with me. They came a little bit later. Mm. And so we split uh, split some rooms while we were there. Okay. And, but for the most part, like, I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time during that week by myself trying to figure things out and not get taken advantage of. Um. <laughs> They're like, what? Come here. <laughs> For the study abroad trip, mm-hmm. what were you guys studying? Yeah, so the project was, it was called the Arts of Politics. And they were looking at how artists and scholars and activists engaged in 
thought about memory in a post-conflict nation. So Peru had just finished like a Truth and Reconciliation Commission that had discovered all of these like acts of violence that had happened during like it was like a civil war almost and in Peru Mm -hmm. and it was like a really really violent time like a lot of atrocities were committed and so there's a state there's a version that the state wants to tell and a version Mm -hmm. that like the people actually know and so the activists and scholars that we were talking to were trying to engage that memory with like the population and like say like this is what happened to us Mm -hmm. and here's how we need to deal with it and so we all all of the students did like independent research projects and we were just learning about all of these things that happened and how people like were disappeared and how women wow. like indigenous women were like forcibly sterilized and like wow. um, and then there's a lot of art that came out of that so we went to this like super interactive play mm. um, about it and like the two main artists that we were working with had like this whole mobile museum that they took to different cities oh. and this is where I really got interested in like being creative and like creating media and creating projects and things like that and because for so long I had just studied stuff and I was like after this program I was like I want to make stuff and I want to make stuff that people interact with and one of the things that I remember the most was that this artist, Karen Bernardo, and she worked with um, Jorge Miyagi and Mauricio Delgado. They do uh, male work together on the Mobile Museum. But one of their projects was to make road signs that depicted where acts of violence happened. And so they created this whole like language that was based off of road signs that would get people's attention, but then they'd be like, oh that's not what that means this means something different or like when you get on the bus in Peru they give you like a little it's like a little ticket similar similar to like a transfer but smaller Karen Bernardo she put uh, the faces of disappeared people on the backs of those it's like people would get them and they think it would like a it was a bus ticket and on the back they see this like story of a missing person Mm, so yeah stuff like that was really cool and there's a political figure there that is not the most liked (laughs) as an understatement but karen put his face on like the backs of matchboxes Mm. and so like sort of symbolized that he like was a catalyst for a lot of the destruction that happened in peru so the president yes the japanese guy (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. so that was really influential for me that experience like seeing how people engage in that way and could do things that were creative and socially motivated and about social justice and be celebrated for it so oh, wow. yeah wow yeah that's mm-hmm. that's amazing and it, it also just makes me think about the amount of world history that we don't talk about. not even world mm-hmm. history but the amount of uh current contemporary world events mm-hmm. that we don't talk about in the united states mm-hmm. um yet whenever i've been abroad People know exactly what's going on mm, in the United like States that. and mm-hmm. a ton of other countries and just around the world, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting. Um, I was just talking about that today with some students. And one of the students, he's an exchange student from Australia. Mm. And he was like, well, you guys live in America. But in Australia, we live in America's world. Like everything, mm. everything is pegged against what happens in in the United States. We know, like, he's an American studies major. Yeah. Like, so he, like, part of their 
public education is to know what's happening in the United States. Wow. And, like, all of, they know everything about, like, American culture. And I found this in Peru and, like, anywhere that I've been. Everybody, history, right? Everybody knows. And he's like, yeah, we study, like, like, Trayvon Martin, what happened with Trayvon Martin was front page news in Australia. Wow. And I was like, It wasn't even, <laughs> wasn't even front page news in Florida. Wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. He was, and I think for a lot of people, they know more about like American history than we're taught, than yeah. we do. Just they know more about the English language than we, we do. do. And so it's, it's like, like, that was really interesting. I remember being in Peru. One of my friends, she was, her independence project was, um, she was looking at hip hop culture in Peru. Because wow. they have a, they're trying to start a Zulu chapter in Peru. Mm. And so we went to like places we probably shouldn't have been going. Especially <laughs> mm. <laughs> not having like a real grasp of the language. A <laughs> it was a little, a little precarious situations. Um, but there were like these block parties where the hip hop crew that was there was just like holding space for kids to hang out and to like learn about music and, and to break dance and all kinds of stuff and mm. um, one of our really good friends freddie he's a break dancer and so we went to like some break dance competition and stuff like that nice. it was really cool but they all wanted to talk to us about like race relations in america and they wanted to talk about like biggie and tupac and they wanted wow. to talk about like you know what's it like being black in america and like what are the relationships between black people and like indigenous people and we were mm. like <laughs> I don't even know what to say about right, that. Right. <laughs> like, you know more about it than I do. Like, like, these are conversations we have on the daily. <laughs> They're like, what? It was really interesting. Like, that was very wow. eye opening to me. Wow. And so, wrapping up. Oh, it's almost over. It's <laughs> been here for two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> right, wrapping up. What songs would you like on your playlist? <laughs> I was thinking about this on the way over here, and I was like, shoot, I don't know. What I've been listening to most recently mm. is some Ella Fitzgerald. Misty by Ella Fitzgerald and My Funny Valentine are my favorites. And then I also, Title has, I am a subscriber to Title. <laughs> Shout out. Are you subscribed to anything else? No, just, just Title. Okay. Just I felt like thing. that would be overkill. Like, why do I need to subscribe it would to, like, but, I mean, all the different I've heard services? Of, I mean, it's kind of like some people who subscribe to Netflix and Hulu. Mm-hmm. And then, anyways, no, and I just choose Netflix. Information. I don't need both. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just with Netflix, too. Shout out to Netflix. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Tidal has this really great Mary J. Blige playlist, and it has like a really good mix of all her stuff. What's the song? I'm going down. That's a, that is a. I play that a lot, especially right now because. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's that time. Um, I'm going down and then not gonna cry because like oh, man. it's like. Uh, it, when you feel down, you need I'm going down. But then when you're down, they're like, you know what? No, I'm not going to cry about this. Listen, I'm gonna listen, what is his name? <laughs> we will find him. We don't need to get into right, that. Right, right, that's like, a whole yeah. other podcast. Whole, like, as soon as you said Mary J, I was like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> off, off, off podcast. And then are there any more questions before we before we go? Also, if you could put some Joey Badass on there, hey. that would be that's relevant to me right now. Hey, mm-hmm. land of free is full of free lotus. Mm-hmm. This would be a fun playlist. That dude said two A's, three K's in America. Mm-hmm. 
Tell me one piece of advice that you would give a student like yourself who is interested in applying to college this fall. Ooh. Just one? (laughs) (laughs) Top three, top three. Top three, top three, top three. More than anything, for anyone who is like me and black person wanting to go to, wanting to enter an institution of higher education, I would say be curious but protect the core. So engage in activities, learn about stuff, pursue all of your interests, but always make sure that you are looking out for your heart and your soul. Damn. That's really good. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much for allowing us to take so much of your time. This is really amazing. Yeah, thank awesome. you for having me. I had yes. such good questions. Lots of stuff that I hadn't thought about before. See? Oh, that was cool. Well, we hope to see you soon. And we hope to, we can't wait to hear your podcast. Hopefully yeah. there's some good stuff on there. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I just kind of rambled. But <laughs> no, 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 it's good. Awesome. It's good. This okay, is cool. Really awesome. This is Myola Aina, and you are listening to the No Blueprint Podcast. Do it for the culture. Ah!